Welcome to Conscious Curiosity SD, where successful San Diego leaders share their stories of leading beyond profit and are using the influence of business to positively change the companies and communities we all work and live in. I'm your host, Jeff Blanton from Jailbreak Leadership, a unique set of processes that unlock the unlimited passion and potential of your team to create a 10x result in your business. I want to thank our collaborative community of San Diego business organizations, the Better Business Bureau, Conscious Capitalism, Be Local, and Cause San Diego. We're all focused on impacting the community of San Diego through the work they do as business leaders. Welcome to the show. This year's Cause Conference has been blessed by having an amazing co-chair and has been having a significant impact on our community of San Diego for nearly 30 years. If you've been engaged at all in our city, you most likely know him or know of him. Mitch Mitchell, welcome to Conscious Curiosity SD. It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me and welcoming me in this morning. Besides being the co-chair for the Cause Conference 2023, Mitch's side gig is he's the Senior Vice President and Chief Legislative Officer for SG&E and Southern California Gas. Mitch is known for his leadership for creating high-performance cultures by advancing diverse perspectives and promoting inclusive environments for the companies and communities he serves. And talking about serving, he has served and is serving on boards of amazing organizations like the San Diego Housing Commissioner, Lucky Dog Foundation, Sharp Hospital Board of Trustees, Voice of San Diego, just to name a few. Mitch, thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. Well, I look forward to uh, digging in a little bit to your backstory and how this all came to be. And uh, clearly, we'll talk a little about the Cause Conference and what you see there. And oh, by the way, September 14th, tickets are still available. We did sell out last year, so don't wait. You go get those tickets. But I also have a question for you. Sure. This is my my fastball. (laughs) Vision. You know, what I see is lots of organizations, individuals, they all kind of have their individual mission. They got the individual purpose, all trying to solve some sort of problem uh, here in San Diego. My question is, when we actually successfully and collectively all fix all these problems, what's it going to look like? What, you know, what's it look like? What's it going to feel like? What are people going to be saying? What what is, can you paint a picture based on all the work you're doing? What's San Diego look like in the future when we bring this all together and make it all happen? Well, that's a great question, Jeff. And I've thought about this a lot over the last couple of years in particular. And let me give you the backdrop of why I've thought about it. Sure. You know, for the first time, we're seeing net migration in the region, leaving more people leaving than arriving. And I look at the homelessness crisis. I look at the housing affordability crisis. I look at the transportation issues. My vision is that we, we will at some point start to pull people together in a collaborative conversation about the basic issues that everybody's impacted by. Cost of living, transportation, housing. When you think about it, people are moving further away for affordability reasons, right? Anybody that is on the 15 on any given day, with you're driving down in the morning, you see it. If you're driving up in the afternoon, you see it, you feel it. Why? Because I think somewhere in close to 40% of the people in Murrieta and Temecula drive south into San Diego to come to work and then drive back home. That's incredibly crazy, but it's an affordability issue. When you look at our homelessness crisis, the fastest growing group of people headed to the streets are seniors. They're on fixed incomes and rents are rising. And unfortunately, 
was rents rise, if you're in a fixed income, your option is come up with the additional money or move to the streets or move out of California, move out of San Diego. And that's and after living here and working here your whole your life. Whole life, right? right? This, no this one, no yeah, one, no one planned exactly. on I'm gonna I'm gonna work here for 40 years and I'm gonna retire and live on the streets. A corner and a curb is not a home. You know, that's a moment that you want to try and avoid. And so, you know, the vision, what it looks like is we've built housing, all types, for people who real starter homes. We've built studios. We've built mid-rise units. We've increased density. And with that density, we've increased open space. We've also really built a transportation system that gets people to and from. If you live on the 15, you're sitting there going, well, what are my options ever going to be? You know, and don't tell me that it's the movable carpool lane that goes north or south in the evening afternoons. That's not an answer. If you think about it, the basic necessities of housing and transportation, we will resolve. But that's going to take a collaborative conversation. You have to listen to people in South Bay. You have to listen to people in East County. You have to listen to people in North County. It can't just be about a group of people who live in Metro San Diego having a conversation and deciding, we've made a decision that never works. Collaborative pushes always succeed. And sometimes it's the thing that's missing right up front. Are we really having a collaborative conversation if everybody in the room lives in the same block? Right, right. Kind of lacking a little input there maybe, yeah, right? That's right, little input. So I love that. It's really the idea of, of the collective wisdom, mm-hmm. but you got to get all the right people in the room to actually tap into that and, and actually hear people's voices. Okay. So I love the idea of collaboration. I think that's really sort of what's missing. I mean, that's a little bit of what this podcast is about mm-hmm. is when I'm trying to represent uh, the B Corp guys, the conscious mm-hmm. capitalism guys, nationally San Diego, all these organizations that have a, a certain type of leadership style mm-hmm. and they all got their little niche that they're working in. Mm-hmm. But are they talking to each other? Yeah, <laughs> you know, they, so in fact, I get back again to like, you know, we want to have that movement in San Diego. Well, maybe all these groups could be talking, which leads me to that's kind of the underpinning of uh, the cause conference sure. 2023, which you're the co-chair of. And uh, we were just talking, uh, Mitch and I actually met last year because I was moderating a panel and Mitch was on that. So yes. we're having our annual chit chat. Happy anniversary, <laughs> my friend. Happy anniversary. <laughs> we decided we're going to do this for the rest of our days. So yes. that's great. Why cause? What do you see? Why did you step up, you know, take on the big role of being the co-chair? What's the hopes and dreams? I mean, we knocked this, this 25th anniversary, by the way, if we knocked this out of the park, what's going to happen here? What do you see? All my questions are, what are you going to see? What are you going to see? You know what? Uh, I, when I was, um, I, I was thinking about the, the right song to put on this question and it's, you know, don't stop believing journey. It's a, it's a simple statement, but that song was a great song that many people will remember. I think in San Diego, people have stopped believing that we can problem solve. I think people have stopped believing that we are listening to them as it relates to the issues that matter most. Now, the issues that matter most may change based on the quadrant of the county that you're in, but you have to ask, what is your top of mind question for East County? What is your top of mind question for North County Inland, North County Coastal, South Bay, Central San Diego? What drew me to the cost conference was, is this an opportunity to really inspire people and really create this understanding that, you know, we shouldn't stop believing. We should, we should start creating this collaborative moment. We should start creating and fueling this, this understanding that we, the collective we, have to come together, identify problems, and work on solutions. And normally I say, we're so siloed that we're losing. And I think in this instance, that is the case, right? And, you know, if you, 
we are too siloed. And I think what we have to talk about is, is there are some regional solutions, regional problems that, that need regional solutions, but then they're just quadrant problems. You know, I mean, if you sit in South Bay trying to drive north in the morning, it's crazy. Traffic heavy. You know, you're just, oh my God. I have my, you do sit there going, what, 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 what's, what kind of say do I have in this, yeah, right? what, do I, what kind of say do I have? Yeah. I mean, I just deal with it. My, I've had assistants that live in South Bay and they just talk about how painful it is driving north or south in the 805. That's, and that's unfortunate. I want them to believe that it's not just Sandag that is asking and, and listening. It's others that are saying, we're not just, we're, we're listening for the purpose of creating some solutions for you to consider getting behind that's how you get people to start believing again that we live in a responsive and responsible community. And that's an important statement, responsive and responsible. If we're being responsive to the problems, homelessness, as a housing commissioner, I have learned more about homelessness than I ever imagined I would learn. And sadly, I learned more about it as a commissioner than I knew about it as just an individual, you know, citizen of this, of this region. So now the question for the commission, and I love what my commission team is doing. They are as dedicated a group of individuals as possible because they want to create comprehensive solutions for people who really need the housing commission right now and going forward. What I'm inspired by is, is the fact that we want to be responsive, so we hear the needs. Right now, we know that a lot of people come in and say, hey, listen, I was paying $1,100 a month. My rent's going up $200. Therefore, I'm going to be evicted because I don't have that additional 200 Well, okay, so as opposed to letting them be evicted and living on the streets— can we find a way to give them the $200 right. and keep them in their place for a year? And so that's, again, responsive is we're listening. And so we can respond. And then responsible, we have responsibility to prevent, to try and help them avoid being on, on a corner or a curb. You know, again, let's, let's, let's yeah. be responsive and responsible, right? Let's take on that. Let's shoulder so that. So that's looking at it a little differently rather sure. than we're on the back end and we can't get caught up, right? Yep. We just have more and more mm -hmm. people. Yep becoming homeless, how do you shut the faucet off? How do you off, shut the right? faucet off, right? Like, I mean, what's leading to this? Wow, 200 bucks yeah. a month might solve the yeah. problem for yeah. somebody yeah. versus 10, 20, 50, 100,000 we spend when you hit the street. You right? just nailed it on the head, Jeff. I mean, again, so if somebody walks in and says, hey, look, my rent's going up um, $100 a month, and we don't look at it and go, look, we're going to give you the $1,200 so you can stay there for a year. That $1,200 is the best investment ever because once that person moves to the streets, once they're living on a corner, once they're living in their car, things happen. An ER visit. They're suffering from hypothermia. They get they get the flu. I mean, all these things that happen. Yeah, and one, one trip to the one ER. One trip to the ER, right? And you're like, hey. And so I think right. that that's why that's why I believe that we we need to really create that belief that we can be a responsive or responsible and responsive community. We have to look at each situation and think about it with that framework. So we, you and I were chatting um, before we started the podcast here, and you were kind of talking about. You know, you're trying to get some legislation, you're involved with that. And, and you were making the comment of, it isn't really the people we elected necessarily yeah. are solving problems and making things happen. It's really kind of us. Maybe talk to that a little bit. Yeah. But, and, and kind of from the perspective, like uh, the folks listen to this, the people who are hoping to come to the cause conference, business leaders, what role do they play? You know, what, what, you know, you're sitting in traffic, you got employees in traffic. What role do I play as a business leader to help solve those problems? Well, you know, it's funny, but I'm taking it back, Jeff. When I was learning about the importance of community giving, you know, volunteering, I was learning from people like Malin Burnham and Herb Klein. I was learning from, from people who, from, who would come to me and say, 
it's easy to complain about something. It's harder to construct a solution and carve out the time to work on the solution. When you think about where we are today, what needs to happen more is we need to go back and remember that. In the 90s, the business community, I think, was much more aggressive about problem solving. Back then, the bankers, we all knew all the bankers. They'd come together at every meeting and talk about things. And and you had people who take time out of their day and say, let's, let's sit in a room and listen, learn, and talk about what we do. So we've lost that collaboration. And I think we've lost that collaboration. Mm-hmm. When you put col- a, a bunch of voices and, and thoughts in a room sometimes, you, you, you'd be amazed at the solutions that come out of it. And if they're implemented, all of a sudden, that's done. We've taken care of that. I do think we need to inspire that. You have a new group of leaders. You know, it's a different generation leading companies. That's true too, right? right? I always remind my colleagues that we are seeing a generational change that is important to note. My daughters are 23 and 21, and they have their opinion about the business community and about the business world and and about communities and, and society. Not, not necessarily a good one. <laughs> not necessarily. Not necessarily. They, as I reminded them one day, one of them mentioned, well, I may have to pick at your company. And I said, well, let me just give you the best advice I can give you at this moment. If I were you, I'd wait till you're finished with college and so that I'm, and I'm not writing any more checks. Because if you there decide you to do that before you finish college, you may not like the result. But I appreciate the fact that they yeah. have opinions and thoughts. I'm hopeful that their generation does pick up the ball and say, we've got to come together more. We've got to talk. We've got to listen and incorporate other perspectives in and create solutions. But I do think that that's one of the things, San Diego, we're lucky. We're not so big that we can't come together and talk and talk about what are the number one issues and what are the potential solutions. We just aren't doing it as much as we used to. Oh, that's interesting. Because we do have a very unique community here, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, we're kind of that big, small town kind of that's thing. Correct. So I do I do think we have that opportunity to make that happen. But you made a great point here of this generational change. Yeah. I mean, we should be really, and I'm looking at my generation, right? I'm, I'm, I'm the one who should be working our way out of the program. Mm-hmm. But are we just going to leave or are we really, what are we doing to bring in the next generation it, it, and truly let them step in and first let them step in as we know, we got some people that maybe need to get out of the way here in our, in our world, but how do we help them versus just going, okay, we're done. Good luck. Yeah. You know? yeah listen, Hey, listen, we did our part. A little screwed up. Sorry. We'll, we'll see you when we see you. No, it, the it's world's yeah, on fire. Yeah, a few yeah, other right. issues, but don't worry. Well, it, you know, it's funny because Jeff, in a way you see a little bit of the blame game going on right now. Mm. My daughter's generation both my daughters, they would say, well, you guys created this mess, climate change, and you didn't pay any attention to it. And you didn't believe it. And you didn't pay attention to housing costs and you didn't pay attention to all these things. And now look at it. Okay. Well, that's the blame game. Also on the other side, the generation of business leaders that I've grown up around, we haven't necessarily leaned in as much as we probably should to say, Hey, let's talk about what we've witnessed, what we saw. Let's collaborate on what we think we should be doing going forward and get that buy-in. This is a problem that we're having in corporate America, the generational shift. We have leaders in corporate America who've, who grew up in corporate America during a time where you came to work, you worked hard, you got paid, and you didn't bring any of your public policy or social components into the workplace. Whatever was happening out there on the front, it happened. You talked about it at home over dinner. Now you have this generation of leaders that are at the door waiting to take over and they want to talk about societal life. It's all integrated. It's there's no work home. There's a, we bring it all together. I think that probably is the thing that will benefit San Diego most. 
when we agree that that's a good thing and the existing business leaders invite the new generation of business leaders in to say, you're right, the improvement and the protection of the San Diego region is going to take a collaborative between the generations of leaders, not just, you know, a handful of people saying, well, we should do this, right? If all of a sudden, um, I, we have one of my, one of the companies under the Semper umbrella is 54% millennial. And they look at life and they let me know that they look at life. What percentage is the management? Well, then, yeah, see, right? That's it. They let me know we're soon going to be in those seats yeah. and we don't necessarily like the way you're saying it. So we're going to change it when we're there. Well, I think it's an opportunity for us to say, hey, listen, let's talk. Let's listen to each other and let's figure out how we make this transition work better. But more importantly, what we can accomplish together while we're still here. And I do think that's important. Great communities are not created by one or two people, right? This isn't a small, if you live in a small town of 50 people, yes, one person could move in and say, I'm going to transform this whole town, right. right? But in a mega region, in a big city, great communities aren't created by one or two people. Great community communities are created by a collective of voices and efforts. In this instance, the definition of the collective has to be the generational transition of the collective of baby boomers, Gen Xers, and then you bring in the millennials and the Gen Zs and you say, hey, look, that's the, interesting. The Mitch. next 20 like years that. are going to be really important. Let's get let's get started. It's really by focusing on that, recognizing the next generations want to see a more collaborative yes. uh, way of running the program. Mm -hmm. That's what we really should maybe be leaning into to help solve this problem. You get, we have cause conference, these kind of things. But if you have a cause conference, maybe that's an overriding True. part of the program. Yep. It's like, okay, let's really recognize this generational. And how do we address that? How yeah. do we make sure that that's part of the conversation? Yeah, Jeff, when's the last time you sat in a room where you where it was clearly lined up on a panel where it was baby boomers, Gen Xers, millennials, Gen Z, having a conversation about a problem? When's the last time you saw it? It just doesn't happen, right? right. We don't think about it, right? But it's, it is so important today that we do this and we start doing it immediately. I, I'm inspired sometimes. We, we are, we're seeing a younger elected officials who are coming in with a different perspective. So you may say, well, I remember when the merge, people who've been in San Diego for a while know the merge was that horrible place on the five where the 805 and the five met in the 90s. Oh, it might take you like four or five minutes to get through the merge and people, oh my God, I hate the merge. Right? Now but it's 80 lanes now wide. It's 80 it lanes wide. And, right? <laughs> and you're like, what happened? What did we do wrong? And so when you bring all those generations in, you can share stories about, hey, this is what we were complaining about then. Here's what you're complaining about now. Let's think about how we work to make sure that we've addressed these complaints 10 years from now. But we can share some advice. You can provide some guidance and some insight of things that we may be missing. And then we can solve problems. Yes. We will get right back to the show. But first, we have some very exciting news to share. On September 14th, Cause San Diego will be hosting the 25th anniversary of the Cause Conference 2023 at the new Sharp Prebus Innovation and Education Center. The Cause Conference 2023 is bringing together for-profit, non-profit, government, and academia for a great day of learning connecting, and collaborating to create solutions for the problems that face our community. For more information about the Cause Conference 2023, go to causesandiego.org or hit the link in the show notes. Now, back to the show. You know, it's kind of funny. As you were saying that, I was struck that I read this book called uh, 10X is Easier Than 2X. Yeah. And it's this whole kind of 80-20 approach to you know, doing things. And 
I decided that I wanted to actually do it and I wanted to get a few people around me to make that happen. So I reached out to a couple of um, other business leaders that I felt were kind of 10X kind of people. Mm-hmm. And we assembled this group and it's two women and two guys. Yeah. So I go, okay, we got that going. And then what kind of unconsciously, and all of a sudden I was struck by one person's 26, yeah. one's kind of like in her late 30s, one's 50, and you got me, the old guy, 60. And mm-hmm. I went, hey, we got we got all the generations right. covered. But that was purely, right. it wasn't intentional. Nope. It just sort of happened yep. that way. And, On its own. and your point is, no, 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 no. Let's be intentional be in intentional. these conversations. I, so. I agree. I, you know, I tell this story in speeches sometimes about when I realized that Congress was broken. And it was a, it's a unique story because it's just indicative of Congress. They were having a big conversation about women's health care. And one day they announced this panel that's going to be discussing this, this issue and how to move forward. And they show the picture of the members of this committee on TV. 11 men, not one female, not one female member of Congress. And I thought to myself, mm, well, if this, is, you know, this is a problem, right? Um, <laughs> you know, you know, take that moment and now fast forward to today where we're still, we need to be intentional about problem solving with the inclusion of all the generations. Kind of your core diversity, yep. the inclusion. Yep. So. Inclusion. We will be better off as a community of course. if we do this because we're not missing things. Sometimes it's negative unintended consequences. People say, God, we didn't think about that. A great example was we were having this conversation about a solution and someone said, well, you, oh, I'll, I'll give you a good example. During COVID, when we were all in a state of, Shock! You know, we've been shut down for three weeks. We realized we got to feed people. There are people who were who were getting food from food banks. There are people who were who were getting food. At, you know, kids were getting food at schools every day, Monday through Friday. And all of a sudden, that was here a big one. The school that was big one. Like, the we schools. feed so free, a lot of kids. A lot of schools. kids are getting free yes. lunch, free breakfast. And all of a sudden, we're shut down. You know, God, what do we do? So I remember I would go down to the stadium because the, to the, the labor council decided they were going to hand out food boxes at the stadium every Saturday. And you'd drive your car up because at this time we thought, you know, we can't be around people. So we'd all, we'd show up mask on, clothes. You'd pull your car in. You couldn't get out of the car. Couldn't have your windows down. You had to pop the trunk, put the food in the trunk. And if you couldn't pop your trunk, we had to somehow put it on the hood, on the hood or on the trunk and you pulled away. And then one day we someone said, well, we were talking, we were like, you know what? We didn't think about the fact that some people don't have cars. So right. how are we going to feed them? Right. So when we were building this whole thing, it wasn't intentional. It was probably didn't have someone who says, hey, listen, it's a great idea, but if you don't have a car and the trolley stops at the stadium, you're just going to come in and walk in and we're going to turn you away. Yes, we're going to turn you away. Okay. But in that, in, in that instance, you know, you're thinking when we we're all sitting there trying to, when they were building this, Probably somebody was missing was the what's the thought process of someone who doesn't right. drive? We're not thinking of all the stakeholders. All the stakeholders, but when you start bringing people in, gender, generational, you're going to cover a lot of bases. A few of those customers, few of those, you know, actually in the, in the situation, right? Yeah. yeah, right. In problem solving, it's like with the homeless commission at the housing commission. We have to talk to people who are homeless about what they're going through and what they're what what they're missing. I'll tell you a quick story in 08, when I was the chair of the house of the of the um, food bank, we were preparing for the crisis. We knew that the economically there's some things that are going to happen. We started seeing the lines get longer. We weren't sure, but then the 08 crisis hit. One of the things that we figured out real quick, Vanessa Franco, and you know was was there, and I remember she would tell me how long the lines were getting, and we figured out 
that a lot of people were navigating hunger for the first time in their lives. They'd lost their jobs. They're living in their car, showering at the gym, going to work, acting like everything was okay, but they're getting food from us. What we realized is a lot of people didn't know what they didn't know. They didn't know what other benefits, what other options, what other opportunities are out there to help them get through this moment. We learned that from talking to people who are standing in line. Hey, are you getting everything you need? Well, what does that mean? Well, you're standing in line to get food from us. Do you know about all the other stuff? Discount health insurance. Do you know about, you know, Lifeline? Do you know about county benefits? No. By asking a diverse group of people, you know, who each had their own individual situation, what are you missing? We developed the community cares program, and we were able to connect people to all the other things that they didn't know about, but they needed at that time. Right. The same thing goes with the homeless now is— I'm really proud of the Housing Commission because we were up on social media because we realized a lot of people are navigating homelessness for the first time. They have smartphones. So we have to be better about connecting them to solutions through social media. We have to be better about asking them about specific instances or specific issues that they may need help with to try and connect them to a solution. Responsible, responsive. Yes. So that's what my wife does. You know, She runs the uh, Charlene Community Services. Sure. Which Lucky Duck is supporting. That's correct. Um, and that's what they're doing. You know, people come in. That's it. Then, what do you need? And they got they got yep. the whole battery of different services that connect them to. And, yeah, it's, and it's every, important. Every story is is its own story. It is. Every story is. And I and, and you know I, I will take this moment to, to say that you know that when every story is its own story in a homelessness crisis, it, it's it's heartbreaking. I said to someone, um, what I what I'm inspired by, for instance, Lucky Duck. It's not just a foundation that's raising money. They're they're looking at programs, right? right. Any program that for the moment gets somebody out of this mental strain and out of the spiral down and puts them back to work. Wheels for Change. Um, Drew and I were talking about some programs that he's funded and, you know, um, Cash for Trash. Anything that you can do that creates a sense of pride and Well, and that's actually stability. the funding that Lucky yeah. Duck actually directly gave money to my wife because she's got a works program. Exactly. Now, right. right. Uh, where she's hiring yeah. homeless to yeah. do these projects that we yeah. got in our community. So Responsive, yeah. responsible and responsive. You know, if, yeah. you're gonna, if you want to be responsible for helping, you got to be responsive to the needs that you're hearing about. And Lucky Duck does a great job, you know, hats off to Pat and Stephanie, but you know, really for, for, if you look for inspiration, Peter Seidler is a billionaire, doesn't have to do anything of this nature. And he, he doesn't just walk the talk because he's out talking to the homeless and walking around and he and Dan shake it. They could be doing anything they wanted to be doing other than this. They made this commitment. I remember in 2016 and Dan, Dan Shay and I have a, have a, a history. Every New Year's Eve, we meet at the same restaurant for lunch at noon for 22, 23 years. And we decide what problems we're going to, we're going to oh, try and try. Next, we're gonna, year's, uh, next year's, <laughs> next year's focus. And I always say, that's your Christmas yeah, gift. It's our, yeah, that's our Christmas <laughs> gift. And then sometimes I'm like, is this going to get us into trouble? But Dan's never worried about that. Right. He always say, yeah, for Dan, all trouble is good trouble. That's and, maybe where you're supposed to go. Yeah, that's where you're supposed to go. And, and, but I remember when he, when they made this decision that homelessness was going to be it and they have not wavered at a time when it's the biggest topic in the state of California, not just San Diego. Haven't you personally, I thought I heard you say once that, you know, you're on, involved with so many different things, but you had decided to zoom in and focus, put your efforts on homelessness. Is I did. That, I yeah. did. I, I uh, last year in June, much to the chagrin of, uh, of, of several organizations, I said, look, I'm, I'm leaving you not because you've done anything wrong, um, but I'm going to focus on homelessness. You know, my commitment to the housing commission was I wanted to be the best member of the commission board that I could be. Everything is now about homelessness and healthcare. You know, I'm, proud member of the Sharp Hospital Board because what I saw during the COVID crisis is the inequities. And it bothered me, right? Uh, healthcare is something that you shouldn't have to 
worry about in terms of can I get access? Um, but unfortunately, you know, healthcare isn't even and equal across all neighborhoods and all communities. And so, and when you see people on the streets that are homeless, and you see that connection to healthcare. Makes you it, so that was that was it. So everything. Let me give you an example that my part of my wife's program. Like you wouldn't even think of this. So you're homeless. You have an incident. They take you off to the mm-hmm. hospital. You spend your three days in the hospital. Have an operation. Could be anything. Yep. Maybe you walk. Maybe you got cancer. Yep. Guess what? When you walk out of the hospital, you're homeless. You're homeless. You're you still homeless. Had, you just had surgery. Yep. Your recovery right. is so on they the have corner a ho- curve, right? Yeah. That's it. So they have a hotel program. Yep. We'll open right. people up in our community, you know, for, uh, I don't know, X amount of days, right. right, to give you a little recovery period. Like, you wouldn't, I don't you wouldn't think of that. Right. You went to the hospital, all was right. good. But when that started, that was being responsive to what you heard, right? right. I mean, everybody you hears about problem. recovery after some major incident in healthcare. It's hard to recover yeah. if, you know, if you have a place. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, there's that. a park bench right there. That's that's cruel and and so I'm glad that your wife's doing it because that is so important. Yeah, where where do I put my medication? Yeah, right. I mean, exactly. It's right. Just a, yeah. Like endless yeah. if you start yeah. to think about it. Yep. I have to ask. You're a very unusual guy. I mean, the level of commit. I mean, you have a job, job, and you're sure. doing all this. It isn't like oh, I'm just out running around doing this mm-hmm. wonderful thing over here. It's like no, you got this whole other life you're leading as well. Where did that come from? What was like uh, the defining moment or two that all of a sudden maybe flipped the switch for you? I don't know, maybe uh, something you saw in your parents, grandparents, uh, a college. I, I don't know what what led to this, Mitch. Why what what happened to you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're, uh, you're, it's a great question. You're doing what you're right? doing today. I never really considered myself to be an emotional person, and then I remember, you know, I tell people all the time that the two people that always manage to evoke some tears are my daughters. You know, they something will happen and. Well, I can remember this defining moment where it was the holidays, and I remember seeing these families who were asking for support, food, right? It was, it was, in, it was in December. And December is this month where everybody kind of blocks out the, the bad, and they focus on the music and the gatherings and the, the festive spirit. And in the backdrop, there are people who aren't participating because they're anchored by some financial crisis or some health crisis. Or it, I will always remember, it kind of stuck with me seeing families with children who weren't going to have that same kind of joyous moment on Christmas morning. It kind of stuck with me. And one day, you know, I remember when I, like I said, I've been lucky because I've been mentored by some wonderful people in this community. Uh, you know, I, I don't ever hesitate to, say, hesitate to say I'm Herb Klein and Malin Burnham trained. And Herb would always say, don't be afraid to be controversial. Get involved in things, even if it's controversial, Make try and make good things out of it. And Malin would say, listen, it's not about you. It's about what you can do for others. There were those moments in the early years working around people. The late Ron Kendrick, who I was proud to get an award uh, named after him. You know, Lee gave me an award for that was named after him for work that I'd done with the food bank. And I told everybody, this is a must, not a maybe. I think that I, I was inspired to realize, it was realize, I realized that I needed to be inspired to do something every week that was about something else, somebody else, another problem, another situation. You don't have to be involved in five things or 10 things, but you have to think about one thing. Mm. What's the one thing that I can do? The CEO of Semper, Jeff Martin, gave me a book called The One Thing. The power It's kind of yes. the power of one. Yeah. And every day I get up and I, I write my schedule down it's on my phone, but I still write it down in, in writing, and and I put a box around one thing, and that one thing it changes every day. But there are many but times it's the thing. there's the thing, and yeah. there are often it's a create an idea that's beneficial to 
the discussion we're having at the housing commission or at, or children's hospital or in this space, right? There are days where um, I'll call Drew at Lucky Duck. Hey, we thought about this. And I think that, again, go back to what I said earlier. We, the collective, we have to solve the problems of this community. We cannot sit back and say, well, I elected nine members of the city council and they need to solve the problem. Or I elected a an assembly member or a senator and they need to solve this problem. That's not the way it works. We have to come up with the ideas. We have to identify the problems. We have to identify the potential solutions. We have to work together. It is the the collective power of we is what has to be the, the defining mm. statement for all of us. So what would be your message to like when, uh, you know, I've been around the cause conference since uh, 2018 mm. and we've been trying to make the shift ever since in regards mm. to having a much more for-profit focus, get, you know, the for-profit leaders engaged and, you know, what are you doing in your companies? Mm. And then, you know, how can you connect to like the right uh, issues here and, yeah. you know, actually have an impact. I even think like how do companies sure. collaborate together mm. or even back to the community, connect with the guy down the street and yeah. together do something. We continue to have this challenge yeah. of um, getting them invited in. I mean, they're busy. They got all these things going on. And what, what's the pitch to the for-profit business leader yeah. that this is the thing to do? I mean, pick one thing. Don't have to go crazy, yeah. but wh- why should I? How, how would you sell me on that, Mitch? I would say on this is, is that your one single effort as a collective company can make a difference in thousands of individuals and family environments. I'll give you an example. One year, I was having a conversation with someone, oh, and Lorena Gonzalez about about a problem that I just never thought about. And, uh, she said, Mitch, you know, diapers are expensive. And I was like, well, my kids have been out of diapers for a long time. So, Don't know anything you know, about that. I, I mean, <laughs> it, I failed miserably at this conversation. She's like, do you know what diapers are? I'm like, 10 bucks. She's like, no. I'm like, 750. I didn't know. Out of that conversation, though, came this thought process. And I remember I said, okay, she goes, I want to start a diaper bank. And I said, okay, well, that, that sounds great, right? You know, diaper bank, you know. And so I went to the food bank and I said, hey, I want to start a diaper bank. And they were like, what are we doing again, Mitch? Why are we doing this? Do you Truth, know the price of diapers? You know, price, right? <laughs> Truth be told, in a high cost of living community, yeah. diapers are a commodity. If you're, you're so struggling with just the cost of living and you have children and you're paying for diapers— they will wipe you out. And I was hearing all these stories by people who were like, some days I don't go to work because I'm out of diapers and I can't drop the kids off at childcare because I, you have to drop them off with 10 diapers. I was blown away. Wow. What it ended up in, and I gathered, I called a meeting of some business business leaders inside the company of sdg and we decided that we were going to host a diaper drive. Hmm. And we raised $13,000 in cash in, in about six days and thousands of diapers. People were bringing boxes in. And we made this delivery to the food bank and we had this big grand opening and announcement that we're now going to have a diaper bank at the food, San Diego food bank. And I was really impressed because the responsive attitude of the employees at sdg e was amazing. I was receiving the nicest emails from employees who were saying, Mitch, I was once that young mother struggling and mm-hmm. diapers was my uphill burden. I couldn't, I was hard to get the money together. And so I tell you that story because that's just one simple example of Something so simple as a discussion about diapers and a company responding and helping to lead the opening and the creation of a diaper bank of which thousands of families and mothers and fathers 
depend on that diaper bank to give them diapers for free. If every business leader thought about, okay, the power of one, what's one thing that I can inspire my employees to help address? You may not solve it, but to help address it each year. Imagine how impactful that would be. Forget about Giving Tuesday. If every company of 100 employees or more in this region said, hey, listen, every year in November, before we get into the real giving of thanks, we're going to identify one problem. It might be we're going to donate socks. We're going to make sure every employee brings socks in. Every employee brings in sweatshirts because we're going to donate those for people who are struggling with homelessness on the streets. It might be food. It might be books. People say, why books? There are so many children who don't own a book. We all have the capacity to go out and buy children's books and go, hey, donate. Can you imagine if a, if a business you know, called up and said, look, our 5,000 employees each purchased one or two books and we want to donate those books to this cause. That's going to make a difference. Yes. It can make you feel good. Yes. But it's just simple. But I, I do think that we, we, have to, we have to expect more of our business leaders. And, and it's not all year, because I think a lot of people say, Mitch, I don't have time to do this all year. I'm not asking you. But if you pick one cause and you inspire your employees, the CEO, Caroline Wynn, when we did the diaper bank, she called me um, after we made the big announcement and she saw the video and she's like, that was inspirational. I says, you know what? That's what we do. And she's like, you're right. And she's as committed to Monarch as, as anybody and, and, and what she does there. And I think that what we, what we have to hope for is, is this goes back to that transition as the new generation of business leaders start to take over the my roles and the CEOs and the COOs, talking to them about having that expectation of themselves. Right. Well, this is going to be a completely different, amazing different community. conversation. Different conversation. Yeah. I mean, you said a couple of things that I thought was really interesting. I mean, one is just, uh, I think I was, I think Soraya and I spoke about mm-hmm. this, your, your co-chair for the cause conference. I don't think leaders always recognize how much influence they have. Like yeah. you kind of think, Oh, I'm running this business. I got a hundred yeah. employees. Yeah. The cascade out of that yeah. really is thousands. Yeah. It, it really, really is, is thousands. Yeah. And the second thing, I don't think you have to search that far. It's like whatever inspires you. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. you're the leader and you're inspired by that, you can yeah. invite everyone else yeah. to get behind that. I mean, it's, it's true. But, uh, Steve Cushman and I were talking one day and we were talking about the issues, some of the issues going on with around homelessness. And I remember I was so inspired from our conversation. When we hung up, we were talking about getting water for people who are struggling with homelessness in the summer, right? Because a lot of the homeless struggle with dehydration, mm-hmm. right? And I, we're, we're, I'm calling people and next, you know, I'm all like, some people, my friends are like, why are you so excited? I just got a pallet of water donated by Target. This is amazing, right? And they're like, wow, you're really excited. Yes. It's one, it's, it's, the, it's the power of that one thing, right? That's where business leaders have an advantage. If they can be inspiration around one thing, right. their employees will, will respect it. We'll appreciate it. Well, we'll this goes back it. to like, I'm, you're not just here for the product or service. There's That's a good. larger story. You're a leader. You Commitment need to, be, yes. to community. <laughs> I love it. Well, got to put a bow on this, Mitch. What's the big idea? What is the message you would like the audience to hear? I think that the cause conference is a place where you're, where you should be able to come and hear about problems, your stories, but be inspired to go out and take actions. That's really the key. At least is it one the, thing, at least right? One, one thing, action. One action. Think about it. And don't underestimate. Don't go, well, we've reached a point where 
nonprofits are going to struggle with donors. The World War II generation has been incredibly giving. The baby boomers, next. Gen X, eh, not as much as the boomers in, in World War II. But realistically, don't underestimate the power of a $25 check. Right? People are, I don't have enough money to help this situation. It's not true. It's just the one thing. If you do one thing, pick one and do it, this community will benefit. And so I think the cause conference is, is a great place to think about that, to listen, to be inspired. But we've got to grow the cause conference and make sure people can show up and go, you know what? You know, I've been looking at this. Right now, everybody sees homelessness. But underneath that, there are other causes that you may be more attracted to. Like the book example I gave. You know, right, exactly. You know, um, clothing. It's not, it's not hard. I'm going to put in a pitch at the end. I was once with uh, Debbie Cyberson at the uh, San Pasquale Academy, the, one of the most amazing entities in this region, foster care high school. Kids arrive there. They've been in the system since they were nine, and they spend four years there going to high school and graduating, and it's amazing the success rate of them going to college. And one day my, my wife and I were talking, and I said, you know, what? I heard this story about you know, the kids go to college, and they just, whatever they arrive with, it's all they have. Maybe we should try and help more. And I give friends of San Pasquale and Joan and Debbie credit because they made the decision, power of one, we're going to make sure that these kids have one big bag filled with everything they could ever need that first year to send them off. Nice. And Set them up for success. Set them up for success, right? <laughs> and I think that that's really it. It's like when people come to the cause conference, hopefully they all leave and go and thinking about, man, I, I have another idea about the one thing I want to work on and the one impact I want to try and create. Love it. Well, Mitch, I want to thank you for coming in. I want to thank you for stepping up to co-host, uh, co-chair. I'm not sure exactly the title. Well, you know, whenever <laughs> with Soraya, you know, you're, you're, you're the co-pilot. Okay, you know, co-pilot, I mean, right. she's the pilot. I'm following her lead, right, you know, she and, says and, and, you, you know, whatever she says I do, but right. it's, it's a pleasure. We'll, we'll set it that way. I appreciate you stepping up to do that and all the other things you're doing. I mean, it's just an amazing story and we're really blessed to, have you here in our community uh, taking that lead? And again, folks, uh, the Cause Conference is September 14th, and Conscious Capitalism is taking up one of our collaborators here. The podcast have stepped up and brought in lots of speakers from the outside to help inspire us and yeah. see what some other folks are doing in the world. Got to be there. Got to go. And then do one thing, right? Do one thing. <laughs> I agree. I'm in, I'm inspired by people all the time who just figured out that one thing. You know, Ellen Nash and Baypack, they, she, she wants to bring people together to talk about issues. It's the one thing and it works. You know, you look at people that are just picking the one thing and I'm always even more inspired by watching them because that's what's so important. One thing and find a couple of collaborators. And find then some, some serious things right. are going to happen for you. Yep. Well, that's our show for today. And if you enjoyed it, please subscribe, comment, and most importantly, share the podcast with a friend. Again, special thanks for our collaborative community of San Diego business organizations, the Better Business Bureau, Conscious Capitalism, Be Local, and Cause San Diego. We're all using the influence of business to positively impact our very own community of San Diego. I'm Jeff Blanton from Jailbreak Leadership saying, until next time. Go do what you do. Go do what you do best, for we're all counting on you.